Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Maureen Hitu, AVP of IS Operations at Penn Medicine. In part one, she talks about the adaptability and agility Penn Medicine's IS team demonstrated in transitioning back office functions off-site, how collaboration tools have helped build relationships among team members, some of whom have never met in person, and why she believes versatility is so critical for today's healthcare IT leaders. I think the best place to start is a really pretty high level overview of Penn Medicine, what you have in terms of hospitals and things like that. And obviously you're located in Philly, but yeah, if you could give just a very high level overview. Sure, sure. So Penn Medicine includes six acute care hospitals and hundreds of outpatient locations throughout the region. We have several of our hospitals in the city of Philadelphia, but also have a hospital in Chester County and hospital in Princeton, New Jersey. And so spread out a little bit geographically. In terms of my responsibilities, it depends. I have responsibility for IS operations. And in that tower, there are a range of functions, including the service desk, the IS project management office, corporate applications, IS finance and contracting, and also oversight of our ERP deployment that's currently underway. And in terms of the reporting structure, who do you report to? So I report to Mike Restuccia, who is the Senior Vice President and CIO at Penn Medicine. Okay. You just mentioned ERP. Can you talk a little bit about that particular initiative and where that is right now? Sure. Penn Medicine decided several years ago that we would move from Lawson S3 to N4 Cloud Suite. And so an implementation is currently underway to migrate all of the finance, supply chain, and human resource functions to Cloud Suite across all of our hospitals. It's also an opportunity to integrate Lancaster General Hospital, which is also one of the Penn Medicine facilities, onto a common application. And so complete some business transformation as well as just do an upgrade of the software. Last year, the human capital management components went live across all of the facilities except for Lancaster General. We're currently in the process of migrating the financial and supply chain functions across all of the entities onto Infor Cloud Suite. And that will go live in July of 23. And then ultimately we'll bring human capital management for LGH in the subsequent phase onto Infor Cloud Suite as well. So providing the organization an opportunity to take advantage of much more um, complex tools so that they can improve their processes and also complete the integration for Lancaster General. Okay, so going to the cloud, was there a hesitation just as far as making that move? I will admit, Kate, that I came into the function just within the past seven months. So the decision to move to the cloud was something that I wasn't necessarily involved with. In general, I don't really see a hesitation moving to the cloud in many of the functions. Obviously, there's a a need to do the appropriate due diligence and make sure that we've got the right security and privacy controls in place. But generally speaking, um, it seems that we're moving more and more products to the cloud. Right. Yeah, certainly we're seeing that across the board. Now, in terms of service desk, I can imagine that's an area that's been affected in the last two years. But can you talk about like really what you're looking at in that realm? 
In terms of service desk, in most IS service desk, traditionally, you're supporting the internal customers. You're supporting all of the employees, the clinicians in using the systems. One of the things that was interesting as I came to Penn Medicine is that our service desk also provides support for our patients who are using my Penn Medicine, um, which are, is our patient portal. And so you've got a, a a constant influx of patient calls as we continue to add functionality to my pen medicine. And so we're, we're always looking to make sure that we've got the right resources, that they're well-educated, that we connect them back to the clinical and operational areas that need to be involved should the, the various concerns that a patient have not necessarily be just with the technology that they're using. Um, obviously, we get a variety of, of calls that need input from the clinicians, and we make sure that we connect them back to the clinical spaces. And in terms of the service desk, are they working primarily remotely at this point? They are. They are. Actually, other than our desktop support staff and the clinical engineering staff, the majority of the IS function is in a hybrid mode right now. And so there are some days when staff may be on site, the majority of time they're working remotely and the service desk is in that model as well. Um, obviously that happened pretty quickly as the COVID infection started to rise. We moved the majority, not only of the IS staff, but also supported the organization in moving a significant number of our back office staff into a remote model. And the service desk was dependent obviously on having the right telecommunication services in place, you know, having the call center that could help support them remotely, having the technology that they needed remotely. But they are a pretty agile group. They adapted very quickly. And I will, I will have to admit that they did not skip a beat. And they did not even report to me at that point. So I can't take credit for it, but they did not skip a beat. Okay. That is impressive. So it was an enormous change. And I know that some of the CIOs and other leaders we've spoken to have talked about the adjustment it took to be able to make sure that people have what they needed and, you know, kind of check in with them. And what has that experience been like for you? We rely on Microsoft Teams and video conferencing pretty heavily at this point. And so you end up adjusting those check-ins to be video conference and occurring virtually. I think having a collaboration tool has helped significantly, both in having access to chat, having access to the video conferencing, being able to find creative ways to have team meetings and still build that relationship that you need not just between the managers and the team, but between the team members themselves. Now, one of the nuances that we recognized recently is that we have staff at this point who have never met all of their team members together because they're primarily remote. And so it's important to make sure that we give them an opportunity to get introduced to the team, to meet the team. And as cases are starting to decline, that we create those opportunities to bring them on site so that they can connect to people personally. But recognizing that there is also um, significant desire on the part of the employees to have some time working remote, we're very careful that we remain in a hybrid, flexible environment so that the staff can come on site as much as they want to come on site and also work remotely when you know it's necessary for them to work remotely. Yeah, yeah. 
having that flexibility is so important, um, especially as during the early parts of this, people's personal lives were turned upside down. So I think that it was important for leadership to really try to accommodate that as much as possible. Not an easy thing to do, though. No, no, it, it obviously creates some complications. But I think what we've seen, if you think about the burden that all of that staff took on as we came through the past two years, that roller coaster that was COVID, the burden on them, the pace of change, the new requirements, all of those things required a significant amount of effort and commitment from the teams to make them happen, whether it was adjusting the EMR to be able to support the various information collected for COVID and the treatment for COVID, or it was standing up testing sites or expanding ICUs and you know, eventually dealing with vaccines, the teams delivered, remote or not, they delivered. And so we recognized at that point that although there might've been hesitation kind of generally across the industry to support a remote workforce in the past, for those functions that are back office that are not directly providing patient care and supporting a caregiver on site, that it was just as effective to do the work off site. And it provided us a continuity that we may not have had otherwise. You know, you think about the need to shut down many of these areas to protect the health of our employees and the leaders we were able to do that and still provide that service. Yeah, and that, that says a lot. And um, since you did arrive, did you say that there have been some changes as to what fell under your purview or? Yeah, yeah, there were. When I came into the organization, I started as the Associate CIO of Entity Services. And so had responsibility for the Entity Information Officers which is the role within our individual hospitals and and for our outpatient physician practice organizations. My background had been, obviously, as a CIO, I was used to dealing with the hospital executives, was familiar with hospital operations. And so it was a natural place for me to be able to support those leaders as they provided that service to their individual hospitals and our other entities. About six or seven months ago, um, there was an opportunity in the IS operations area to move into the AVP position of IS operations. And so this seemed to me the next level for me to be able to, to support the organization and expand my impact across Penn Medicine. Certainly, it's a lot of back office functions, and so a little bit different than being on the front lines and providing that support for the clinicians. But given the the rate at which change happens at Penn Medicine, there's never a lack of opportunity to be able to make a difference. And so have enjoyed being able to work in the corporate applications group, being able to participate in the ERP deployment, as well as interacting with all of our professionals in the project management office especially within the PMO. It's not just a matter of making sure that projects occur on time and on budget and meeting objectives, but at a broader level to make sure that we're providing the right talent for those initiatives that are most important to the organization at the right time. And so really working to make sure that we are staying in lockstep with the clinical and operational leaders on what's important to the organization. Yeah, and certainly you have had different positions, but I would think that when you're making a change like that, you know, within the same organization, how do you approach that? What is like your approach to that? 
So it's interesting, Kate, if you think about our careers as IT professionals, one of the things that we face constantly is change. Mm -hmm. You're constantly dealing with new technologies that are coming down the pipeline. You're dealing with industry changes within healthcare, and you're dealing with a variety of functions across the organization. Having been a CIO in the past, you end up having that more broad background. And I find that I rely on that experience a lot. You do need to take into account that every organization is different. This is my first experience working in an academic medical center. And so obviously there, there are many differences there. Um, and you rely on your versatility. You rely on your relationship building skills to understand the organization and then use your experience and your expertise to make sure that you're addressing those individual challenges as best you can, whether it's within entity services or it's within IS operations. And so I think I rely on that versatility that had attracted me to healthcare IT in the first place to be successful in any of these roles. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.